Welcome to the Awake Podcast. I'm Noelle Yates, and today we're going to be talking about my recent trip to Africa. I was there with World Help, the organization that I work with, and we were there on what we call a media trip, um, a trip where we could really document uh, stories on video of how our work is impacting people in these areas. And at Christmas, we have a catalog that goes out that really helps people choose gifts that make a difference around the world. And so we wanted to capture some of those stories, uh, gifts, everything from clean water to gifts of livestock to shoes for children and, and Bibles for believers, and really show how those gifts are changing lives and making a difference. So there's so much I could share with you, but today I'm going to start with our journey in Rwanda. And I kind of want to take you along that journey with me and and share some of the people I met with you. This was uh, not my first visit to Rwanda. Uh, In fact, this was the third time I had been there, but I remember back to that first visit. And for most of you listening, I'm sure you are very familiar with the Rwandan genocide. And in 1994, it's estimated that 800,000 to nearly a million people were massacred in Rwanda in just 100 days. 100 days. Neighbor turned against neighbor, family member turned against family member. People were killed in the streets with machetes. It was just a horrific time in their history. And I remember before I went, I made the mistake of watching Hotel Rwanda. And if you've seen that movie, then you know exactly what I mean, because that movie very accurately, but very vividly describes the events of those 100 days. And so I have to admit, I was a little bit nervous and I found myself in Rwanda on one of our first nights there staying in like this compound. It wasn't a hotel and it wasn't a home. And I just didn't feel really safe. And the room I was staying in had bars in the window. And I don't know what it was, but the bars on the window and having just watched that movie, it was hard to go to sleep that night. And on that first visit, I I went to the Genocide Museum. And, you know, basically we can relate to that if you've ever been to the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C. It's a similar experience. But the Genocide Museum as well sort of accurately describes the events and documents what happened. And there's so much I could tell you about that experience. But there was one room in particular that really impacted me. And it's a room that just has pictures of all of these children, pictures of children before the genocide. It looks like their school pictures or family pictures of these kids, beautiful kids. But what got me is underneath each picture was sort of a nameplate with the child's name, and then it listed how they died in the genocide. Things like macheted in their mother's arms, smashed against a building. I couldn't believe what I was reading. And I remember walking out of the genocide museum that day And there was this little sign above one of the doors, and it was a quote um, by an unknown child, and it simply said, I did not make myself an orphan. I did not make myself an orphan. And with all the work that World Help 
was doing and is doing with children over there. It was just a reminder to me of how many kids were left orphaned by the genocide, by no choice of their own. We visited a church on that same trip where I was told um, people had come for refuge, trying to, to seek safety. The church was full of women and children, and they were killed. Every person was killed. One of our uh, hosts that was with us told us that his son was there that day and somehow jumped out the window and escaped, but every other person was killed in that building. And when you walk to the basement of that building, there are caskets stacked one on top of the other of all the people that died there that day. And there's so many things like that in Rwanda, so many stories that you hear, so many people that you meet that, that remind you of those awful days. But somehow I quickly found Rwanda to be one of my favorite African nations. And I can't describe that. Why would some place where something so horrible happened be one of my favorite places to visit? And I can't quite put my finger on it, but I think it's the way this country has rebuilt. I can't quite describe it, but the forgiveness and the redemption that permeates this place is just irresistible. On this most recent visit, I went to a co-op where World Help is doing some work. And this co-op is made up of eight women who have all been affected by the genocide. They, they come from different parts of Rwanda. They come from different backgrounds. But they really all came together to survive. One of these women, her name was Marion. Her husband died in the genocide. And really, she lost everything. In total, she lost eight family members, including her husband, her father, and her sister. And she eventually found her way to the co-op that gave her shelter and and gave her a way to provide for herself. Um, But she said it wasn't just that the co-op was helping her survive. She said that the co-op has given her hope and it helped her not to lose faith in God. And so I stood there with all these women with stories just like Marion in this valley where they're working the land, where they're raising rabbits and and chickens and pigs and all working together and and I couldn't help but think that in this valley where blood once flowed where the tools they are using to now farm this land could have most likely been used to take life during that genocide now is being used to give life to provide life and I watched how they had come together with pride, people working side by side despite their past. Most of these women lost their husbands in the genocide. But today, it doesn't matter what happened or what side they were once on. All that now now matters is their future. And I think my favorite part was the name of this village because the literal translation of the name of this village was wake up and do something with your life. Wake up. And do something with your life. And if you could have met these women, you would have seen that sheer determination in their faces. I went to a place we call the Widow's Village. It's a place I visited before, but there are 45 homes here for 
widows of the genocide and their children. And World Help has done some work here as well. One of the things we've done is provide clean water for this village. And on this particular visit, I was able to talk to some of these women and really hear their stories. And I was blown away by what they were telling me. Uh, Stories how their husbands, for the most part, died in the genocide. One woman, her husband was macheted to death. Um, They chased after her too. She still has a scar on her foot uh, from where they, they cut her with a machete, but she was able to escape. Another woman was chased into the forest where she was cut as well. And another woman was even raped. And as I stood there, listening to their stories, having them show me the scars that are still visible today. It was just proof staring me in the face of their horrific past. But I think what struck me in that moment is that like so much of Rwanda, forgiveness has transformed this community, this widow's village. And forgiveness is really transforming the whole nation of Rwanda. But these women, just like in the co-op, now live together side by side despite their past, focusing on their future. I think by far the highlight of this particular trip for me was visiting probably the most remote part of Rwanda I have been in so far. It's an extremely remote village called Bugarama. And there's so many things I could tell you about this village, so many things that make it unique. But despite the fact that it's so remote, despite the fact that the people living here are living in extreme poverty, um, this particular area has the highest concentration of people infected with HIV AIDS in all of Rwanda. Yet in spite of that, there are no um, medical facilities pretty much of any kind nearby for these people to receive the help that they really so desperately need. On top of that, this area is a place where children are just abandoned. Um, Parents go away to find work and sometimes never come back. So the whole time we were there, we found ourselves just surrounded by swarms of children and, and you couldn't get over the fact of, of knowing that some of these children have no place to go. They've just been abandoned here in this area. But when we first arrived, the first thing we saw was a church building that a World Help supporter had provided, a beautiful church building, and I could hear singing Uh, coming from this building and we went in and the people in this community were worshiping and singing and dancing as we arrived it was a beautiful sight and we were there the first thing we were going to do was distribute some bibles some much needed bibles in this community and I there's no way I can describe this experience It, it took me back I was not prepared for it But if you could have seen the excitement in this church for these Bibles, um, we tried to get the people to line up sort of in an orderly way to receive the Bibles, but there was so much excitement in the room. There was such a hunger for God's word that people were almost being trampled trying to get to the Bibles. And there was something about that that got me. 
a reminder of how often we take the word of God for granted and how we have forgotten that people are still so hungry for God's word around the world. Shortly after that, that hit home even more. We were walked further into the village and we were doing some filming behind a home about how livestock has really impacted this community. This is some more of World Help's work and how um, providing gifts of of pigs and chickens is really helping people um, to sustain their lives. And while we were doing that, I noticed this girl sitting to the side of me on a bench. She's one of the ones who just received a Bible and she had her Bible open and she was sitting super close to one of her friends and she was reading a passage out of the Bible to her friends, so excited that she had a Bible of her very own that she could read to her friend. I don't know, but that's something I just don't ever want to forget. I I snapped a picture of that moment and um, posted it later as a reminder to myself of how precious the Word of God is and that there are still people around the world just so desperate for it. We spent pretty much the whole day in that village. It was a long day. It was extremely hot and extremely dirty, and we hadn't had lunch. And so by the end of the day, um, I was ready to go. I'll be honest. I was ready to get back in the car, ready to go back to the hotel, take a shower, get some food. I was tired, probably partially dehydrated. I hadn't been drinking enough water. I was just ready to go. So when we finally filmed the last video, we hopped back into our vehicles. And of course, the first thing I did was wipe my hands off with my sanitizer wipes. I wiped my whole arms off, just trying to clean as much of my body as I could. And I had no sooner done that when one of our team members came and knocked on the window and said, the pastor of this village would like for you to come to his home and pray over him. And I wish I could tell you that my first reaction was very godly and very spiritual and that I was happy to do that. But inside, I was sort of grumbling like that was the last thing I wanted to do was to get out of that car again. I was just exhausted. And as I got out of the car, though, and started walking towards this pastor's modest home, my attitude changed. This is a pastor who is trying to sustain a community, trying to minister to a community living in extreme poverty, trying to minister to a community that has the highest concentration of HIV AIDS, trying to minister to a community that has abandoned children everywhere. I can't imagine what his life must be like. I can't imagine the pressures and the burdens that are on him living in extreme poverty himself. And so I walked into his very modest home, humbled and a little guilty. And I stood there looking at him and his wife and a lot of his extended family lined up in front of us and thought he wants me to pray for him. And I did the best that I could to pray over him, to pray God's blessings over him and his family and the incredible work that he is doing there. And when we were done praying, they presented me with a gift. 
and it was in a bag, so I couldn't really tell what it was. I wasn't really sure culturally if it was appropriate to open it, so I just thanked them so much and took it with me to the car. All I knew is that it was really, really heavy. And I got to the car and realized that what they had given me was, it looked like a jerry can, like a a, a jerry can that you typically see in these parts of the world that people carry water in. And I thought, did they give me a jug of water? And then my team and I, we were talking like, no, it must be cooking oil. I think they gave us cooking oil. And then when we finally were able to open it, we realized it wasn't water. It wasn't cooking oil. It was honey. And it was the largest jug of honey I've ever seen or ever held. And then I realized how valuable this gift must have been, how much money they probably could have made selling this honey at the market. And I realized they hadn't just given me a gift. They had given me the best that they had to offer in spite of their circumstances, in spite of their extreme poverty. They had offered me their best. I shared that story recently and my friend commented and said, I pray we would give up our honey in the same way. You know, simply looking at Rwanda at face value makes you ask the question, how does a nation recover from from such an extreme tragedy? But when you experience Rwanda firsthand, when you meet its people, it leaves you asking, how could they not? Jonathan Golden says that Rwanda is the kind of place you go when you doubt God's existence and need to rekindle your faith. And I couldn't agree more. To me, it's a place flowing with God's grace. And a reminder to us that that same grace is offered to us each and every day. Thank you for listening in today. If you want more information of my journey into Rwanda, you can follow me on social media. My handle is Noelle Yates on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And you can see more of my pictures and stories from Rwanda and Uganda. And until next time... May we all find ourselves awake and doing a world of good.